and gentlemen, welcome back to the Prairie Track and Field Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Enerson. And I'm your other host, Cameron Rail. And today we're hanging out with one of North Dakota's finest runners. She was a Fargo South graduate, was there for two years. She won a couple state titles. She went on to the University of Minnesota, where she was an All-American in the steeplechase, won a couple Big Ten titles there herself, and now she's running professionally and just moved back to Minnesota. We are here today with Madeline Strandimo. How are you doing, Madeline? Great. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you here. Now, does anyone ever call you Maddie? Do you ever go by Maddie or is it always Madeline? Yes, both. Maddie or Madeline or both. Okay. Both good options. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, your name is Madeline on the screen, so I'll probably call you that more often than not. But Sounds good. Yeah. So we were just talking before we started recording and we were talking about how we couldn't remember how many years you were at Fargo South. It was kind of a time where I wasn't a huge track and field fan. And I wasn't like super into following like events that weren't my own. And we found out you were there for two years. But the real question is, how did you end up in Fargo? It sounds like you had quite the experience traveling the world and moving around to different places. Yeah, so um, my dad was a US diplomat. So that brought us all over the world. Um, but both of my parents are originally from northern Minnesota, and so from all the travels, um, we always used Minnesota, North Dakota as sort of a home base. It's close to a lot of my extended family, so that's sort of how we landed on coming back there, I guess, for my older brother in my um, last couple years of school. Awesome. Yeah, and so... We're going to get a little bit more. We're going to ask you some questions about that later. But how did you get your start with running? If you were moving around a lot and you were living in all these different places, where did you kind of fall in love with it? And then as you were moving, how was it, how were you able to like stay passionate about it and like stay hooked on it? Yeah, so I was in a lot of sports growing up. Um, I wouldn't even say that I necessarily fell in love with running itself until a lot later, maybe even college, if I'm being completely honest. But um, I started in track and field in fifth grade. And at the time, I was living in Doha, Qatar in the Middle East. And I can't really be certain whether my motivations were like completely pure in signing up for the track team because our final meet of the year was in Cairo, Egypt, which was very alluring for me to get to go there as a fifth grader, or maybe it was sixth grade, I guess I'm not sure, but sometime around then. Um, so that was really cool to get to compete in Egypt. And it's actually funny, I recently found out that Corey McGee, the 1500 meter runner, uh, she lived in Greece and went to the exact same track meet. I don't no think way. we overlapped. Yeah, I don't think we ever overlapped at the meet because she's a few years older than me. But I just thought that was really funny that we both ran at that big meet in Egypt. Uh, yeah. I don't even think it's around anymore because it's probably not as safe of a place as it used to be. But anyway, um, to answer your question, I, I don't think I really fell in love with running at that point. I just loved sports. Um, so it took me a little while to specialize, like until college. <laughs> so that's sort of where I stood with the the passion for running. So Madeline, between uh, me and Ryan, you have the same amount 
if not more, state titles than both of us combined. Because so, you won one high school state championship, right, in the mile your senior year? Uh, I think I only won one state title, and it was in the 800 my senior year. Yeah, I think I okay. was maybe second a handful of times in some other things, possibly, but definitely only one state title in 800. Because I remember it was like the very end of the meet, and it was kind of like my last shot. <laughs> yeah, it's like, all right, yeah. you did this to yourself. <laughs> now is your only chance. <laughs> so was that was that always like kind of a a big goal for the short time that you were here, the two years that you were here? was to get that state title or was that something that only really became like clear that you wanted, like maybe even at the state meet? I definitely had my eyes set on a state title, but so I came from Hong Kong international school for that's where I was for my ninth and 10th grade years of high school. And the competition was just not nearly as good overseas. Like I, I won everything and that, like all the records, like I even would not practice high jump for the entire season and just hop into high jump at like our, the equivalent of the state meet abroad. And I would win that. And so it's just, the competition just wasn't that good. And so coming back to the U.S. and I mean, North Dakota is not the most competitive state in the U.S., but I still was like a little bit intimidated by it. And I just didn't know where I really or I guess ranked um, amongst everybody, especially in track and field and cross country, because I don't know, I just didn't identify myself as a runner at that point. So I didn't really have the confidence, especially my junior year to be like, I'm going to win a state title. But I think it was my junior year that I got second to Alyssa Mears in the 800 and I was so close like I could have won it I think if I just was like a little more mentally strong in that race but I just was like panicking I think I was like in the lead and I was like oh my gosh I might win this and then she blew past me and and won it but I think that sort of set the stage for like okay I can do this and I'm good enough to win a state title but at that point it was like okay that it's a year away now so Just gotta wait until then. Yeah. Since again, like since you were only here for like till late in your high school career, did you like know kind of the history that Fargo South has with like Laura Raisler and Andrew Carlson and all all of like the success that they've had? Were you aware of the the history? Yeah, I definitely knew a little bit at least about the history with Fargo South and I um, I remember seeing Laura Raisler's name all over the record boards everywhere but I also mentioned that I was in Fargo my seventh grade year and I competed for uh, Sullivan Middle School and then therefore Shanley High School and I remember being in a race with Laura that year and I think it was probably the 800 and she beat me by like a solid 200 (laughs) meters and so I definitely knew who Laura was and I didn't race her often because by the time I was at Fargo South she had just graduated but I definitely knew who she was and knew that she had ran at the Olympic trials and she was she's definitely a big deal yeah 
And so you graduate, you get that state title, you reach that goal. But with moving around a whole lot, what was the recruiting process like? You mentioned Minnesota was your home base. So was that a school you would always had your eyes set on or did they just kind of stumble upon you? Talk us through that. Yeah, so a lot of people don't know this, but I think I was recruited more heavily for basketball than for track, actually. Really? Um, yeah. And because of my international upbringing, I was always a little bit partial to living in a big city. But um, I don't even remember exactly how the recruiting process went with Minnesota. I honestly think I submitted more of like a letter of interest to them than them actively recruiting me. But somehow I ended up on the phone with the coaches and went on a visit and I just fell in love with the campus and somehow convinced them to let me on the team as a walk-on so that's sort of how that went down and the other schools that were recruiting me especially for basketball were smaller schools and in smaller cities and I just sort of wanted the big ben big 10 school type experience so it just felt like a good fit as soon as the track team sort of let me on it was like okay I'm doing this <laughs> what was like the decision to choose track over basketball because from the sounds of it like basketball and just playing sports was more your passion than track and field so why when aside from like the city uh why when you were getting more maybe appealing opportunities for basketball would you take a chance on just walking on at at a big 10 school yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think that I just liked the the big the big school, and I didn't have that available to me really, even in a walk on capacity for basketball. So I think that sort of made the decision for me a little bit. But um, I also knew that there is a lot left in me for running, so that was also um, appealing to me, I guess. I would say that it just felt like there was a lot of opportunity with running and potentially, I don't know, more potential actually with running because I'm five foot eight and pretty lean overall. And like that doesn't drive as well with, uh, with basketball as it does with running, I guess. So I don't know. I just felt like I might have more potential than I even knew with mm -hmm. track. What position yeah. did you play in basketball? Uh, I played shooting guard or point guard mostly. Okay. Yeah. And now I hear all these stories, like these like washed up NBA players go over to China and they, they're in the CBL and they're just like worshipped over there. Was that like the case for you too, being an American? You're over there probably hooping it up if you're getting some good <laughs> offers. Was that also your case, your experience? Um, well, I didn't, I don't know if you're referring to like international offers. I definitely did not have anything of the sorts with, with basketball, but I can confirm that there are a lot of NBA players abroad that get some, some good attention in China in their leagues. Yeah. I, I guess I meant just like you would be playing in a game and people would just be like, oh my gosh, she's so, she's so good. Like people oh. that are watching the game. Well, so I went to an international school and there is sort of an international school league abroad. I don't know if it's still called APAC, but that's what it was called when I was there. And so all the international schools compete against each other. And so at international schools, it's not all like Chinese students. It's a, it's a big mix of 
different ethnicities and nationalities. And so like some of my close friends, like some were from Greece and some were from Thailand and some were from China and some were also American. So I guess I didn't really like stand out in that way <laughs> that you're referring to. <laughs> yeah. Do you still stay in touch with any of those people? Uh, a handful, yeah, but I'm just not very good at staying in touch in general. I, I need to get better. It's one of my goals for the year, <laughs> but yeah, a, a handful, yes. Same. Just ask Cameron about that. I usually leave him on red most of the time. So, uh, okay, I got thick skin, so I don't get hurt too bad by her. Yeah. So while you're at Minnesota, you start off as a walk-on. And at what point did you decide steeplechase was the event for you? Because you actually won your Big Ten title in the mile before you won your Big Ten title in the steeplechase, right? That's right. Yeah. So like in North Dakota, steeplechase is definitely not a high school event and most places it isn't. So for you, right. what was the transition like into an event you had never done before? Yeah, well, I think that for most people in college, they have their first experience with steeplechase while in college, like apart from a few outliers that do some bigger meets in high school or whatever. Um, so everyone's pretty much starting from scratch in college, or at least it feels like that. And for me, I didn't necessarily choose the event. My coach sort of selected a couple people from my year to give it a try. And looking around at the group, it was definitely people that were multi-sport athletes or like had some sort of coordination going for them um, or that were durable as well. Because um, steeplechase definitely can bang you up pretty easily. But it was sort of shocking at first to just have absolutely no skill in something <laughs> because I never did any sort of hurdling in, in high school. But um, I just, you know, sort of worked on it year after year. And I think my coach did a good job of slowly easing all of us into steeplechase. I think I only ran one my freshman year and then just built from there. So it was sort of a slow process, but the way I saw it is when I was a freshman, it didn't look like I had a very good shot in any other events to be making a Big Ten team or any of the travel teams. And on my team, Steeplechase was a little more of a wide open event just because we had a lot of Steeplechasers graduate shortly after I got to campus. So I just saw it as an opportunity to maybe travel. So that was a plus but yeah that's sort of how it went for me the uh the minnesota women's team is like i feel like at least everybody around here knows them as like just this massive team with like 40 girls just on their cross roster so i mean you kind of mentioned it but like steeplechase was that like your way of being able to stick out and to just like kind of almost like job security or like you know yeah, whatever, like make sure you're, you're there to keep improving and to give yourself a, a shot. Yeah, that's exactly it. it is like I said, it was just sort of the event that had the widest opening for me. Like when I looked at traveling for the 1500, I, as a freshman, it looked like I was, you know, 15th in line to get that spot, but steeplechase, it was, you know, I was fifth or sixth on the team just from my freshman year in that event. So it just was not like easier to make it in that event, but I guess 
I guess it was sort of easier to make it in that event just because fewer people did it. But turns out I, I moved up the, the rankings in the other events too over time, but it definitely um, started with the steeplechase. Yeah. So I, I ran the steeple in college too, and that's pretty much exactly what it was for me. It was like, it's not an easier event by any means. That's not why. Definitely not. <laughs> but like one of the things we talk about, me and Ryan talk about a lot is just like opportunity that track has given us to travel and to meet new people. And like steeplechase is just like a different opportunity that not a lot of people are willing to willing or, or like athletically like capable of, of taking. So yeah, I totally. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's sort of a risk to, to get into the mm-hmm. event because they can bang you up pretty easily and comparatively to do some other events. So. Yeah, for sure. So how about that first big 10 title mentioned you were a walk on, was that something that, you were aiming for you said like the high school state title your junior year you maybe didn't quite have the confidence but your senior year you were hungry for it at what point did you believe that you could be a big 10 champion or maybe like even in that race that first big 10 championship in the mile did you think you were going to win that what were the expectations going in yeah i've got to think back to that um I had a lot of confidence going into that race and there was a number of factors that, you know, helped me get to that point confidence wise and also some luck along the way. Like one of my biggest competitors for that race didn't make the final because of some fluky semi semi-final type situation. But regardless, I, I don't know if I would have won if she was in it, but um, I definitely had a lot of confidence going into that race and The prior year, I had gotten third in the event, and so I'd already been on the podium. And, you know, when you get third, your next, the next year, you're not aiming to get third. You're you're aiming to improve upon that. And so I think I just, over the years, I didn't have any injuries, and I just kept getting better and better in practice. And my coach did the thing where, you know, she repeated some workouts year over year. And so it was really great to be able to track that progress and just see myself getting better and better. So I think to answer your question, I didn't expect to win it, but I knew I was in the hunt and that was definitely my goal going into it was to win, but I didn't expect it. I just was striving for it the the video of you like crossing the line and like kind of the celebration after uh with your coaches is, is really cool um what what do you think that meant for her and then obviously for you what did it mean and then what was like the conversation right after that win yeah so it was obviously really special for both my coach and I it was my first Big Ten title and the first Big Ten title that she had coached. She took over as head coach of Minnesota my freshman year. And before that, Gary Wilson had been the coach for a super long time. But it sort of felt like we built to that moment together in a lot of ways, just because I was a part of her like first freshman class. And mm-hmm. 
it took a few years um, for both of us, I guess, to come around to that point. But it definitely was really special and sort of like a special thing that I think about that, you know, she's probably going to coach a bunch of All-Americans and maybe even a national champion in her time. But I will always be her first Big Ten champion. So that's pretty cool. (laughs) That is really cool. And yeah, yeah, like, and now is this the same coach? And we'll talk about this later too, but is this the same coach that you're going to be training with now? Yes, actually. Um, she just took over my training in the past couple of weeks. So we're Sweet. back together. Yeah, that's awesome. We'll ask you about <laughs> that in a little bit, but okay. you mentioned all American. So how about your very first NCAA championships? What was that atmosphere like? Cause big 10, you win the title. It's awesome. And then you, like you said, you take that next step, you go to the national championship meet. And what was that like? Yeah. So I just have to put out a disclaimer that I was ninth. So depending on what you consider an All-American, that technically is second team All-American. I just need to put that disclaimer out there. There's still the word All-American in there. Still counts. Yes. And it was so close. It hurts. But Mm -hmm. um, honestly, that the first national meet was, it was awesome. I I was really proud to have made the final. Um, I think that was probably my goal going in was to make the final. And then I got there and it was sort of like not my best performance. I think I was so set on making the final. And then when I got there, it was like, okay, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a really good experience. And I think that I probably felt a little bit intimidated and it was just so different because my team builds for the conference meet and a lot of the people at the national meet build for the national meet and have a ton of teammates there. And that just wasn't the case for me. I don't know if there are any other since runners from my team there, the whole thing just felt kind of weird and it was just me and my coach and there was some, you know, sprint throws, sprint throws, jumps people there, but it just felt weird to not have my teammates there. So that's mostly what I remember about it, but it was a great experience and it was really fun. My family flew out and had a bunch of fans and it was really cool to be in Oregon and at the old Hayward field. So it was really great. Am I the only one who didn't get a chance to compete at the old Hayward field out of the three of us here? I think so, I'll answer my own question. I did, so, yeah, yeah I don't know. <laughs> Ryan got the sneaky uh, junior nationals competition in there, huh? Yep, yep. So, yeah, and hopefully gets cool to compete at the – Yeah, hopefully get to compete at the new one, too. It looks awesome. Yes, yes. Did you get to see it at all when you were still in Oregon? Yes, I got to see it while it was under construction, but I never saw the, the finished product. But it looks amazing from what I've seen online. Mm-hmm. And then your senior year, just kind of walk us through that. So you come off the the steeplechase, and then what did your last year of collegiate eligibility look like? So my last year of collegiate eligibility, I somehow worked the system so that I only had one class in the fall and one in the spring. And trust me, I was eligible it's just I had two degrees and, you know, we're not going to get into the, the nitty gritty of that. But anyway, mm-hmm. I had I had just one class in the fall and one in the spring. 
And so I sort of thought of it as like a trial run for pro running because that was a little bit on my radar as like a possibility. And in retrospect, I think I just had too much time to think about running. But the the year went well, especially Mm -hmm. cross country, actually. I had my best cross season by far, but I just put a lot of pressure on myself for my last season. I just wanted it to be like picture perfect for indoors and outdoors, but indoors I ended up spraining my ankle at a big event that I wanted to run the mile at. So that sort of fell through and then... I didn't end up defending my title in the mile indoors. So that was a bummer, but whatever I considered the steeplechase my main event, so that's okay. But then I also lost in the steeplechase at the big 10 meet. And at this point I was also beginning to feel an injury that I had in my foot, but I kept going and I raced at nationals and I did not make the final in the steeplechase, I just sort of blew up and then I kept going and I raced at USA's and I pulled together a decent race in the heat of Des Moines, Iowa that day, but my injury was getting really bad by that point. And so thinking back on that whole like spring of my senior year, I think that I had some bad luck with the ankle sprain. I tripped on a mini cone or something. It's really dumb. Um, (laughs) But then also, I think I just kind of got in my head and put too much pressure on myself. But that whole year, I also feel like set me up for just wanting to continue on. And because I didn't meet a lot of the goals that I had, it just made me want to keep running even more. So I guess, like, I didn't get my picture perfect fifth year season, but I'm happy in some ways that it went the way it did because it definitely has me still very eager to (laughs) accomplish those goals that I was setting out to, to accomplish, I guess. So before we kind of ask you about that transition from college uh, to pro, uh, we're going to play a little bit of like a quick uh, either or sort of like type game that Ryan and I just came up with. Uh, Well, we may or may not have come up with it in the last hour. Um, So we'll just give it a shot. (laughs) It might completely flop, but we'll give it a try. So uh, the game, we're calling it short and sweet. Uh, We will give you like a scenario or like an either or, and you can answer with one word. So like you have, well, it can be like two words too, but like one answer no explanation. Kind of the first thing that comes to your mind, no explanation. You Got can't it. explain it at all. Okay. 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 So uh, I'll start. We'll alternate back and forth. I'll go and then Ryan will go and then I'll ask and so on. So uh, the very first one is Starbucks or Caribou Coffee? Starbucks. Yeah, that was quick. No explanation needed. Wow. Okay. Favorite. I thought you team- said no explanation. Yeah. No, it was like, I mean, I'm, picked, I'm just saying it was so confident. There was nothing. You picked up this game pretty quick. Yeah. So. That was an easy one, but I don't expect them all to be that easy. Yeah. Okay. Favorite teammate while you were in college? Kayla Yurick. 
Now Julian. Her last name's now Julian. Nice. What was the most disliked Big Ten school that you competed against? Wisconsin. Okay, you mentioned like injuries a little bit. Favorite type of cross training? Swimming. Mm, not me. <laughs> you guys both looked really disappointed by that answer. <laughs> So our our fifth year, Cam and I were, I don't know if we were injured, we were just trying to get more fit, but we'd go to the wellness center like a couple nights a week and try to swim. Like Cam bought me swim goggles and I don't know, it was, I'm the worst swimmer. I'm the worst swimmer ever. So it was not very enjoyable. We were going to. I have a love-hate relationship with swimming. I love how it makes me feel just so rewarding and like I got a great workout in, but I hate jumping in the pool i hate it so much yes mm-hmm. and the chlorine and uh, that doesn't even bother me it's just like that 10 seconds i just dread it so much and i'm that person that like gets my toes in for like <laughs> 30 seconds and then like sticks one of my legs in and takes it out you know just uh, i'm the worst but that. once i'm in once i'm in it's good nice okay. Uh, next one. What is your favorite place to live? Taiwan. How many places did you live in total? So or have okay. you? I I've lived in a few places in so Beijing in Hong Kong. I've lived in the Middle East in Doha, Qatar, and I've li- lived in Washington D.C. a couple times, and then. Minnesota, North Dakota, but I did a study abroad in Taiwan for a couple months. So I don't know if that really, but I'm because I love it there. Sweet. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Next one, you were saying they all aren't easy. So, and we didn't go back to see how many years you were teammates with them, but which of the Haas twins which wait, I have to pick one of them? Yeah, yeah that's the game. One. <laughs> this is that is an unacceptable question. <laughs> and you both know it, which is why you were cracking up about it. <laughs> I love them both. That's my answer to that one. Okay, we'll give we'll give you a pass. We'll give you, a pass. <laughs> <laughs> you guys both knew that one was not gonna sit well. Yeah, true. <laughs> oh, man. and I guess our the last one is if you're buying shoes in the great city of Minneapolis, are you going to go to Run and Fun or are you going to go to Mill City Running? I have no loyalties to running shoe or running stores here, but I think I'm going to go with Mill City. Wow. Do they do they carry Wazelle? Uh, I know that they do it in their new St. Paul location because somebody sent me a text about it. Um, but I should double check on that to make sure that they carry Wazelle. So True. that's a good point. But I think I'm going to stick with Mill City for now because it's also like a four minute drive from where I live. So. Oh, nice. That's fair. So yeah. speaking of Wazelle, um, not a lot of 
current North Dakota pro runners right now. Just talk us through the process of choosing a brand. So you went with Wazelle, but what was that lead up like? And maybe how early, like when did that process begin? Like when did you start kind of looking at different brands? When did you actually sign in comparison to when you graduated? What was that like? Yeah. So I, you know, not a lot of people expected me to go pro after I graduated. I wasn't some multiple time national champion or anything like that, but I knew I had potential left in me. So I decided to continue on and I didn't go like the typical route that people do, you know, signing an agent and their agent gets a bunch of offers from different companies. It's sort of like in high school, honestly, where I was actively recruiting (laughs) coaches to coach me and teams to accept me and brands to want to sponsor me or whatever. But for me, I really wanted to train with another steeplechaser. And, and that's because for a couple years of college, I had steeplechasers to train with, like I mentioned, Kayla, as my favorite teammate. Um, She was training with me for a while and also in the steeplechase during college, but she graduated. She was a couple years older than me. And so then I was sort of on my own doing a lot of those like race specific steeplechase workouts. And so I had decided that I really wanted to train with another steeplechaser. And so I sort of just like looked through some of the top meets, the the race results, you know, from nationals and just other competitive domestic meets and just sort of figured out where the best steeplechasers were training and Mel Lawrence was at the top of a lot of those lists and Mel is a steeplechaser and she is on the same team as me in Bend and also sponsored by Wazelle. And so at that point, honestly, I didn't know that much about Wazelle, but I just continued on with the research and looked up at the brand and I realized that their values were also really in line with mine. And I went on a visit there um, to Bend and I had conversations with the coach, Lauren Fleshman and the other um, teammates at the time. And it just sort of felt like the stars were aligning there. I had a couple other options, but nothing felt as right as that one. And so I signed with Wazelle in August after my fifth year. So that would have been August of 2018. And they knew that I had an injury coming out of college and still wanted to support me. So that meant a lot too. So yeah, just like I said, felt like the stars were sort of aligning with that group and that's where I decided to go. Yeah, that's great. Um, Once you move out to Oregon, what was like, um, the feeling, you know, like getting to know the team, uh, starting training as a pro what was like your first first couple of weeks or months. Uh, what was like the, the actual transition into training like? So it was very rocky because I was coming in with an injury and I'd been trying to heal up that whole summer from June until I moved to Bend in September. And I just wasn't making any headway with this injury. And turns out, I mean, we don't need to get into the specifics of my injury, but it just turned out that 
it was misdiagnosed and then I kind of got some bad medical advice. So I was still coming in with this injury and I really needed help to even get back to running. So my first couple of weeks there, it was honestly a big focus on getting me healthy and seeing all the medical staff that they had in Bend. So, and it was sort of like that for the whole first year, this lingering injury that kept rearing its head and then other things would kind of pop up just because I hadn't been running in so long. So when I tried to run, other things would flare up and that was just sort of my whole first year, unfortunately. And until finally the following summer, we just like called it quits and just aggressively treated this injury. And so I felt like I sort of in some ways lost the whole year of training. I still learned a ton and made a lot of gains in strength and body awareness and a whole bunch of other stuff. But in terms of training, my whole first year was very, very rocky because of this lingering injury. Yeah. And so then like, just kind of walk us through, um, you finally get healthy, get a chance to compete and then COVID comes along. What was that like for your training group? I've listened to a lot of the other training groups and we hear about like a lot of them weren't training together at the very beginning. They were making sure they were running on their own, practicing good social distancing and precautions. What was for your team? And it's run Little Wing, right? Yeah, the team is actually called Little Wing Athletics, but a ton of people say run Little Wing because that's our Instagram handle. Um, (laughs) But when COVID first hit in March and everything was going into lockdown, we were actually in Flagstaff, Arizona, doing a little stint at altitude. And so we were just there like, what the heck are we even doing here? Like, the Olympics are canceled. The Olympic trials are probably going to be canceled. Like, we should probably just try and get home but we were all just living together in our rental house in Flagstaff so we you know the whole trip had been paid for already and so we just decided to try to take it out for 21 days because that's when you're supposed to I guess receive some sort of altitude benefits um but then after that we 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 cut it a week short and went home to Bend and we tried to well, we, we definitely took all of the state of Oregon's advice about what to do, but in Bend, a lot of us lived together anyway. We were living in a house with four people, so a lot of the team already lived together, so we just kind of figured out that that would be our COVID bubble, and um, we didn't do a lot of, like, gatherings indoors. I mean, naturally the people that were living in that house were (laughs) gathering indoors, Mm -hmm. but um, we tried to meet outside for practice. And I remember at the beginning, it was like a lot more um, strict just because you didn't have a lot of information about outdoor transmission. And so Lauren would come to practice that would wear masks or be distanced or whatever. But then once more information came out, we just adapted as recommended. So yeah. And we, we were fortunate to have some races. I didn't run in them this summer. I did a like a pace job at one of them, but my teammates were able to race in some, some regional meets, which were really great. And they had a really good handle on just the protocol 
for COVID and getting tested and just have to meet the protocol. So that was really nice. And we were just lucky that we were in Oregon and they were running meets in Oregon. But I know that not everybody was as lucky as us to have opportunities like that over the summer. Were those like the, the big friendly meets? Mm-hmm. Were those the ones that you guys went to? Yeah, exactly. That series. Yeah, that was fun. Madeline, obviously like a, the main part of being a professional is running and your performance on the track or the cross country course or the roads or whatever is you're racing. Uh, but we're seeing a lot of people uh, kind of outshine, I guess you could say, their success on the track through social media, whether that's like, I mean, the big one right now is YouTube uh, with like Tin Man and like the Athlete Special and a lot of these these people who are getting these massive followings. Um, how do you see that in your own training and your own like professional running? Um, is it like a big part? Is that like something you want to grow in or? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am still trying to find my voice on social media, uh, outside of running, I do some freelance marketing stuff. And so over the past couple of years, I've managed other people's social media accounts, which has made me feel a little bit burnt out in my own social media because I'm just on it a lot working and so I just don't want to be on it for fun Mm -hmm. but I just dropped my final social media client last month actually which feels really good because I could just tell it was completely wearing on me to be doing social media work so hopefully moving forward I'll be able to find my voice a little more on there and I don't know how that will look I don't have a YouTube but maybe I should explore that if that's all the rage um but yeah it's it's a fun space to be on um it can be a little bit of a comparison game sometimes I think if you know you get too involved in it and I did actually take a full month break from social media last spring because just with COVID and the Olympics and everything I was just like okay I need a break from my own (laughs) personal Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm excited to kind of explore that a little bit more, actually. So it's funny you ask that. Yeah. And quick plug for yourself. If people that are listening to this podcast <laughs> want to follow you on socials, what are your, what are your handles? Uh, they're all the same. So it would be at M Strandamo. My last name is kind of hard to spell, but you'll be able to find me there. Yeah, they'll figure it out. <laughs> and you mentioned Lauren Fleshman. I mean, she's a huge deal in the running world. What was it like to have her as like a coach and mentor? Yeah, it was really, really awesome. Lauren is very supportive in a lot of ways and very different from any coach that I've ever had. Um, she has so much experience in the sport and it just feels like she has so much experience in life because she gives just great advice and um, she actually was really really helpful in mentoring me and coaching me through the move back to Minneapolis she was incredibly open and supportive about the whole transition and did went above and beyond to help this transition go smoothly for me so I'm very very grateful for her and for that 
And she still is going to be a mentor for me moving forward, even though she's not my coach. And so I'm also really thankful that she's willing to do that. And we are still having like biweekly phone calls. So that's really great. Um, but yeah, I guess like Lauren is a little bit of a celebrity in the running world. So it's, it was kind of cool to be coached by her. We saw her at the U.S. Champs in 2017. No, it was 2018. It would have been the year that you ran there. So. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And yeah, we just went up to her and, and just talked to her. Just, yeah, really nice, really genuine. Um, yeah, just really, yeah, she's, we got she's a lot good of, soul. yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I think I'm probably like one, uh, probably North Dakota's biggest Picky Bars fan, but I'm a, I'm a big fan of Picky Bars. So I'm a big fan of Lauren Fleshman too. What's your favorite Picky Bars flavor? Uh, it's like Chai and Catch Me is a good one. Mm, um, yep. Or uh, Cookie Dopeness. I like that one. There is another one I tried for the first time. Um, is it Moroccan in your world? Is that that one? Yeah, yeah. that one's good big, too. Big fan of Picky Bars. Big fan of Lauren Fleshman. Bigger fan of the names of the, of yes. the bars. <laughs> <laughs> They're clever. Yeah. So you just mentioned that you're back in Minnesota. Um, what was some of the reason for wanting to head back to your home state? And what is that going to look like for your training now? Are you going to be training at the U? Tell us about that because that's really it's really cool that we're gonna have like a professional athlete like in the Midwest because we hear distance runner Mecca, Flagstaff, Portland, yep. all these different places, but not a lot of people would say Minneapolis. Yeah, so I mean, as I've sort of touched on, I've struggled with injuries for the past couple years um, in Bend, and I just so badly wanted to make Bend work for me and for that to be my place that I flourish and excel. But I think because I was so fixated on that, I missed some red flags and, or not red flags, but just, you know, I just, I missed that it wasn't working for me. And like, as I was going back through my training and pouring through it and trying to tinker with everything, like, oh, maybe it's this that's, causing all these injuries or maybe it's this and this it's it when I took a step back it I just realized that like I think it wasn't the place for me and my so I'm engaged in my fiance's job moved him back to Minnesota and I found out about that in October and after that Lauren straight up asked me if I ever considered moving back to Minnesota and it at that moment my honest answer was no because something about that made me feel so like guilty and uncommitted to the team but the more I thought about it the more sense it made to do that and again like I wanted Bend to work for me so badly but the more I thought about the Minnesota option the more like logical it became Um, I had a lot of success here and this is the place that feels most like home I mean I've lived here longer than anywhere (laughs) Um, five years straight so that's saying something Um, so yeah I think that just being with my person is hopefully going to have a big 
impact on even just recovery. And I think that was a stressor that I didn't acknowledge throughout all of the two and a half years because we were apart. Um, and then my coach being excited, my college coach being excited to coach me again. It just like all of it felt really good. And it, it was a gut decision, but there also was a lot of peace were a lot of pieces like falling into place that, that felt really good. So here we are. Awesome. And obviously 2021 is now the Olympic year. Uh, so what are kind of the, the big goals that you have for yourself uh, athletically this year? Well, my number one goal is to be healthy because I guess I'm kind of stealing some words from one of our team sponsors. We had a call yesterday and he said this, but all my other goals can't be accomplished unless I'm healthy. So that's my number one goal. But of course, very competitive. I'm not just going to leave it at that. And I also want to be in the Olympic trials final. So that's my goal. That's an awesome goal. That's a great goal. Do you know yet (laughs) when your first race is going to be? Is that even on the schedule yet or still just trying to see how things pan out? Yeah, it's a lot of seeing how things pan out. Um, Training-wise, I'm not banking on there being really any races for a little while, but I'll be ready if there are races in February, March. Um, I've heard some rumblings of different race opportunities, but again, I'm just not going to get my hopes up or anything like that quite yet, but I'll be ready if there there's some opportunities. And then like one of the last things that we always ask, like all of our guests is we have a lot of young people that listen to this podcast, a lot of high school athletes, quite a few college athletes too. What's your advice for young runners that look at someone like you and they're like, I want to do that someday, or I want to be a state champion, or I want to go to a big 10 school. And then also specifically too, um, what would you say to like specifically young female runners? Um, My advice for younger runners is just simplify it. I think there's so much noise in the wellness space right now. And you just got to focus on the the big things, you know, get enough sleep, do your training, get good nutrition. Don't get distracted by the fancy Norma and, you know, whatever other fad diets, like if that's going to take away from the big buckets of getting good sleep and, you know, getting in good nutrition and good training, it's not worth it. Invest in the long haul. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that comparison game earlier and that is, that's so true. It's like, you can see all these things on social media, but it doesn't mean that it's going to work for you. Exactly. Yeah. There's, there's only a few things that are really proven (laughs) and it's sleep and nutrition. (laughs) How many hours of sleep do you get a night? I wish I got more. Lately, it's been like 10, which is incredible for me. But usually I'm just, I'm eight hours a night. Okay. So there you have it. Anybody that's listening to the podcast, eight hours a night, that's what you should be shooting for. But go for 10 if you can. Yes. 10 if you can. Yeah. Well, cool. I don't know, Cam, do you have any other questions? Um, No. It always feels, no, no, I don't. 
<laughs> what about you? Is there anything that you were hoping to like say to the world on this podcast that we didn't ask you? Um, no, I guess I was going to say one thing about North Dakota yeah. or the Midwest. Here. Yeah. Throw it in. We can, we can either like fit it in somewhere or like this, this might just be a good place to end too. Yeah. Well, wherever you want to put it, but I just think that people really underestimate North Dakotans or just Midwest athletes in general, because they don't consider that every single meet we are facing some sort of element. This is not California where you get 70 and sunny for every meet. Like no wonder they have such fast times there. Every single time you are facing some sort of like 30 in 30 degrees and 20 mile an hour winds or something like that. And so I just think that a lot of Midwest athletes are very underestimated and then they go to college and it's like, Oh wow, they came out of nowhere. And it's like, no, they got really tough in high school and you know, just we had to be ready if there was a perfect weather day to really send it on those days. And I just, I think that that leaves a lot of Midwestern athletes very, I don't know. You know what I mean? You, oh, you yeah. guys have, you guys have been there. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, like I, I ran 217 in the 800 in high school, which is not a phenomenal time by any stretch of the imagination, but I did that in like 35 degrees and 20 mile an hour winds. So I just hope that if there's any North Dakota athletes or Midwestern athletes listening, that they can get some confidence in from the tough conditions that they compete in and don't compare to the California times. Yes. Yes. True. Great. Well, I hope you have some stuff to work with on this, on this podcast. Um, like I said, I've only done one other podcast, so no, well, thanks again. Oh, this is great. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be looking forward to seeing everything. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Like Cam and I are still competing a little bit too, so I have no idea cool. what. Yeah, I don't know what like indoor meets are going to be like. But if we're ever at the same one, or I don't know, Cam, you raced at the U a couple times last year, so yeah, if we ever see you, we'll be sure to say hi. Yes, please do. Cool. All right. Thanks again. See you later. Yep. Bye.